Welcome to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. Now let's begin. Podcast listener, welcome to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. My name is Chris Lockhart. I'm your host this evening, and joining me is uh, my co-hosts in crime. Um, first up, we have Lillian Kenelson. How's it going, going, Lillian? I am as happy as icing on a cupcake. Excellent. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Ragnar. How's it going, Ragnar? Well, it's going quite well, but I have no cupcakes here, so I'm a little sad. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> um, next up, we have Mr. Kevin Decent. How's it going, Kevin? Um, I am disappointed with the gluten-free cupcake. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Oh. Yeah. And last <laughs> but not least, we have our newest co-host in crime, Ooh. Alexa. Ooh, Hi. <laughs> So uh, well, yeah, I got promoted to co-host real fast. I yeah. guess. Well, she I she did this for like a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, she she's a trooper. She's she's been here for every episode in the last two oh, yeah. months. Like, and I like her, so yeah. so we will keep her. Yay! Mm-hmm. Alexa, <laughs> yeah, it's is awesome. A trooper. Oh yeah. You gotta get all your paperwork in for this, though. Yeah. <laughs> there will be no paperwork. <laughs> Um, all right, well, for this episode, we're going to continue on with our 80s movie discussion. Best movies of the 80s. Um, this is based, according to a book written by a lady named Helen O'Hara. Um, yeah, this is her choices for uh, the 50 best movies of the 80s. And the one we are starting with tonight is from 1982. And Shoot. It, <laughs> from 1982, it's Tootsie. The, cro- the cross-dressing comedy has a long and storied history, including classics such as Bringing Up Baby, Some Like It Hot, and the multiple Oscar nominee Tootsie. Uh, some facts about this film. Uh, this was Gina Davis's big screen debut. She played actress April, Dorothy's uninhibited dressing room companion. 
Um, yeah, I've never seen this film. I, I really have nothing to say about it. Um, I was aware of it. I remember it being advertised on the USA Network in the 90s. Um, and I know Dustin Hoffman is in it. Um, that's about all I got. Uh, Alexa, your thoughts on Tootsie? I haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, we, you know, kind of touched on it a bit previously about other ones that, you know, we thought we might not have seen, and I haven't seen it. <laughs> I got nothing to say. Sorry. No problem. Uh, Lillian, have you seen Tootsie? Possibly in like a third party format because an adult was watching it around me. Um, but no. But at the same time, um, I, re I, I do like some of the, the cast is like a, a wonderful cast. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I vaguely have some memories of some things, but not enough that I actually watched it on my own. Yeah, it's kind of a weird phenomenon these cross-dressing movies because there was and shows because tom hanks was on an 80s sitcom where he plays a guy that dresses as a woman yep. there were a lot of movies with that like this the fact people are like this has never been a thing i'm like have you watched any movies from the 80s and 90s yeah like you haven't seen mrs doubtfire really yeah <laughs> i mean heck one of my favorite ones is patrick swayze is a woman. And, oh, yeah. uh, damn uh, beautiful. Tu Wan Fu, or I think that's what Fu. it was called. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a, a a different one. I can't remember the name of the movie. It was also an '80s movie where it was a woman that dressed as a guy, mm -hmm. and then the, just one of the boys. Yes, that's what. And yeah, the big reveal is like she flashes her her male friend, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I remember that as a kid, uh, seeing some boobies, but... Um... Yeah, I, I, I thought of um, Ladybugs with... Uh... Oh, right. Oh, Jonathan Brandis. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was good. And Rodney Dangerfield. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ragnar, have you seen Tootsie? I have not. Um, I know it was a famous movie. I know it had some cultural significance, but I've never seen it. Um, I've seen the poster for it um, at the antique mall where I have a side hustle, and uh, yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about it because it, yeah, just uh, never crossed my eyeballs, I guess. All right, and Kevin, have you ever seen Tootsie? Nope, clean sweep here. Um, you said it came out in what eighty two? Yes. <clears throat> I, I mean, if I was like late teen early 20s in 82 i think i would have wanted to but you know I, I remember seeing commercials on hbo for it it was played a lot but I, I just ultimately didn't care and honestly a movie like this i wonder if it would hold up now or seem really problematic now yeah yeah i'm wondering <laughs> if that's the reason why it doesn't show up on like amc and and you know movie channels like that yeah. nowadays but anyway this um this actually is a good uh 
uh, tangent to go on because uh, the next episode of the Pop Culture Pub, after this episode, like we're not going to get through the rest of these eighty movies, but I, th- I figured, <laughs> well, well, it'll be a monthly thing. We'll 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 have part three next month. Uh, but for the next episode of the Pop Culture Pub, the topic I have planned is skipped it and why. So these are th- so bring three examples of movies, TV shows, books, etc. that we heard about, but decided to skip it for whatever reason. Um, all right. So That's anyway, cool. yeah. So that kind of fits in with this because we've we've all, well, for the most part, have heard of Tootsie, but we all skipped it. Yeah. <laughs> so that made me think of of, of uh, our next topic. All right. So the next movie we got on the list here is The Thing. Uh, this is 1982. Um, this uh, starred Kurt Russell uh, and as a Antarctic helicopter pilot and one of the quintessential John Carpenter's leading men. Russell helped Carpenter develop his ideas for the film and but was... Uh, the final principal actor to formally sign on. Um, so, did you know um, several fo- uh, foodstuffs were used for the creature effects, including mayonnaise, jelly, creamed corn, and microwaved bubble gum? Um, so, the tagline is the ultimate alien terror. Original, oh, I should have said. Uh, the original air date for this film is June 25th, 1982. Tootsie was December 17th, 1982. Um, I think I saw this as a kid, but I honestly don't remember. Because I think this has based on a movie that was made previously, and it's been copied several times since. Uh, so, yeah, I really can't speak to this one. Um, let's go with Lillian. What are your thoughts on this movie? The thing? Nope. Uh, it's been on a list somewhere buried because every time somebody asks me that I've seen the thing, my brain immediately goes to swamp thing. And I'm like, I love that movie. Wait, no, that's wrong. Um, yeah. but haven't seen it. Uh, it's got a good cast, but it's just, you know, when you're born in the 80s and you love 80s movies, it definitely doesn't encompass anything if your friends don't watch it. Yeah. So, no, it's but it is on my list of things I need to watch. Uh, Ragnar, have you seen The Thing? Oh, hell yeah. And what are your thoughts? Um, It holds up pretty good. I watched it uh, a couple years ago and I thought it was still pretty good. Hmm. The special effects were pretty good. You know, the story's pretty good. Um... Yeah, it's a famous, you know, horror movie. Um, I'm not sure I would say it's John Carpenter's best movie, but it's definitely one of his best movies. And and probably also really helped cement Kurt Russell as an action star. Um, yeah, no, it's a fantastic movie. If you've ever had any interest in Antarctica or... You know, aliens are reasons why you should not visit Antarctica. Uh, just a good movie to watch. You know, ironically, I was just talking about that like yesterday or the day before because uh, we were watching 
uh, was I watching baseball or something? Anyway, there was a commercial for um, a, an Antarctic cruise. Uh, oh, I can't remember the company now. Uh, I think it's Viking Cruises. But anyway, um, yeah, you can go down there and 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 check out the penguins and and all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? I I kind of like to do that. I think that'd be cool. Oh, um, that'd be fascinating. I mean, honestly, it probably wouldn't look that different from what a lot of Canada looks like. Yeah, especially in the winter, but. Just to be able to say you've been there, that's a place that not that many people on the planet have been to. Yeah, exactly. That would be pretty fascinating, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kevin, your thoughts on this film? Have not yet seen it. Really? Wow. Much much like the conversation in High Fidelity, <clears throat> I have not seen it yet. The mm. yet being, I want to, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Oh, okay. It, it, it's been on my list for forever. I recognize how big it is. I know a lot about it. I have just not taken the time to sit down to watch it yet. But it is it, it, like some of the movies and, and you know that we've discussed already and will discuss. I don't know if I'll ever sit down and watch Tootsie in my life, no matter how bored I am. Mm. But I do plan on watching The Thing at some point. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw it when I was a kid, to be honest. But I, you know, other than you know people, you know, dying and stuff, and I don't really remember much. You, you know, sorry, <clears throat> for those who have seen it, would that be a good one to add to my October list of horror movies? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Maybe that'd Excellent. be a good time to do it. Yeah. Either that or Christmas, because you know. Snow. It's in 106 days. <laughs> Don't, sorry, such things. Uh, Alexa, your thoughts on on the thing? I like it, but I I like you know the old, more cheesy horror movies than the actual horror horror movies. Believe it or not, <laughs> um, and you know this, I really like Kurt Russell as an actor, and in this one, it just kind of you know gave me flashbacks when I saw Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell in it. Gave me flashbacks <laughs> to the thing. <laughs> because it was very much, like, his character just looks very similar, right? He's got the longer beard. He's got the, you know, gray, bit of gray in it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I think it was a great movie. Was it, you know, top of the box office? No, definitely not. But what horror movies ever are. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, continuing with that horror theme, we have two movies uh, that are being shoehorned into one discussion here. And that is The Evil Dead, which was released uh, April 15th, 1983, and Evil Dead 2, which was released March 13th, 1987. Um, the Yeah, that's a horror... Yeah, honestly, I've never watched this. I, I I'll I'll admit this is. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. I I remember watching the the third one though, Army of Darkness. Oh yeah. I remember watching that one because my cousin 
loved these movies. Like, he was huge into it, and I just remember watching that one with him. But actually going back, I watched the remake of The Evil Dead that they did in the 2010s, I mm-hmm. believe. I remember going, I remember watching that. But um, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I'm not a big horror guy. So, you know, a lot of these things kind of fall off my radar. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. This was on my radar because, of course, I love Bruce Campbell. I, I you know, I love him in other things. Um, but, um, yeah, I just never got into watching these first two movies. Um, Ragnar, your thoughts on The Evil Dead. Okay, so... My my introduction to the Evil Dead universe was Army of Darkness, mm. which I was 15 years old, and I watched it at my first girlfriend's house. And I, at that time in my life, I was very interested in, in making films and, and studying films. Mm. So that movie blew my mind. I had never seen a movie like that before. And I, I watch it all the time, and I love it every bit as much as I did the first time I saw it. So um, as I went into high school and I actually took a film studies course, then I went backwards and I watched The Evil Dead and The Evil Dead 2. Um, Evil Dead, it's a pretty good horror movie, but what is more important about it is how they made it how little money they had, and how successful it was for such a low-budget production. So at the time they made it, everyone involved with the film was a nobody. Sam Raimi was a nobody. His brother Ted was a nobody. Bruce Campbell was a nobody. Like It was just a bunch of people who were friends that wanted to make a movie. They, they borrowed money from everyone they knew, they basically went around selling shares of the movie to like people in the town where they lived. Like the local dentist put up some money and they, most of those people never saw a dime. The movie did eventually make a lot of money and made, made everyone famous, but the rights to it got bought up really cheaply. And the, the company that bought those rights is who made all the money, not the people who worked on the film. Mm. Um, so, in 1983, it was pretty groundbreaking, this movie. The, the, the way they filmed it, the shots where the, the camera is the point of view of the demon that's attacking them. And, it, you know, and the camera breaks through windows and breaks through walls. Nobody had ever done anything like that before. That was all, like, a whole new way of telling a story. Um as well as most of the stunts Bruce Campbell did himself, and most of them he got injured on. He, he apparently took a pretty fair bit of um, physical abuse filming the movie. Um, and one of the most notorious scenes in The Evil Dead is where the possessed tree's roots um, bind a girl and then rape her. Um, again, nobody had ever seen anything like that on on the screen. So, of course, it got like a... And either an R rating or an X rating because of that. And uh, it didn't do particularly well when it first came out, but it you know, became an underground hit, especially a little bit later on when um, 
you know, renting movies at home was more popular. So the, the film had a fair bit of, uh, you know, a cult standing, a fair bit of uh, notoriety. So eventually they got enough money together to do the Evil Dead 2. And basically Evil Dead 2 is the same story as Evil Dead 1 with some of the same actors in the same roles. But now it's a comedy because so many people made fun of certain parts of the Evil Dead because it's so over the top that they decided let's just make the same movie, but let's make it that way on purpose. Hmm. And so that that's where Bruce Campbell as a comedian, as a funny guy, as an over actor, that's where that really began, that, that whole trope. Evil Dead 2, everybody who worked on it did make money. It was a minor success. They didn't, you know, they didn't have any losses. And that is what really launched Sam Raimi's career as a film director. You know, later on, he did Army of Darkness, um, Darkman. Then he did the Spider-Man movies. Most recently, he did Doctor Who and the Multiverse of Madness. He did Drag Me to Hell. He's done so many movies. He was also involved in the, um, I think he was a producer of the Xena and Hercules TV series in the 90s. Um, yeah, if you look up Sam Raimi on IMDb, his list of credits is enormous, and you will have for sure, all of you will have for sure seen some of his films. Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> that, well, that that was an excellent uh, overview, Greg, and I thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I read a whole book about it. So. Um, my first, like, I think I my first introduction to the Raimis was Ted Raimi because yeah. he was in Sequest. Um Yeah. And that's and then when um I heard about Sam Raimi directing uh Spider Man, I was like, Man, that he look kinda looks like that Ted Raimi guy from Sequest. Um and then yeah, I found out they were brothers and then this whole you know, the whole backstory of the Evil Dead and all that and it's like, yeah, Oh so yeah. So Sam Sam Raimi is is very notorious for doing cameos and repeat cameos. So he has a car, like a big old 70s car. It's not even a fancy car. It's like a normal grandpa car. And that car has appeared somehow in every film he's directed. Um, and, And you can look it up easily and see montages of all the different scenes that it shows up in all these different movies. Uh, his brother, Ted, appears in every movie that he's directed, and I believe Bruce Campbell gets a cameo at some point in every movie that he's directed as well. Mm-hmm. So he's he's notorious for, like, that kind of thing. Like, you know, these movies that's, are connected that's why Sam, um Sam Raimi directed all the Spider, like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. That's why Bruce Campbell's in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yeah, and Ted it, Raimi shows up. I think he's like one of the he, office he, lackeys in in um, the the newspaper. Yeah, J. Jonah and, Jameson. And I yeah. believe in Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire one. I believe Uncle Ben's car is the the famous te- um, Raimi mobile. I think really? it is. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, pretty- so a couple things to add. So it actually, in this book, says, Did you know the yellow car from the Evil Dead, a 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale, yeah. 
Yeah, that's appe- it. Appears in almost all of Sam Raimi's movies. He even disassembled it and hid parts of, in his Western movie, The Quick and the Dead, and his fantasy film, Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he found a way. And, and in Army of Darkness, the, the concept in Army of Darkness, which came out in the 90s, but the concept is that the character Ash, who we met in Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, opens a portal back in time. And not only does he get sucked through the portal, portal but so does the car. <laughs> so it shows up in the medieval ages. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and w- one thing that I was really disappointed, well, there's a lot of things I was disappointed in. Uh, the most recent Doctor Strange movie was directed by Sam Raimi. And like, he, he, it it was, but it wasn't his baby. No, no. Somebody, somebody else shot the movie. The studio hated it, and they hired Ted, uh, sorry, Sam Raimi to come in yeah. and reshoot parts of it and re-edit it. So it, it's a hot mess. Oh yeah, and you can tell when you watch it. Like this is a Sam Raimi bit. This probably was original. This is a Sam Raimi bit. It's yeah. It was the biggest for me. It was the biggest letdown in the MCU because it it was pitched as something that was going to just blow everyone's mind, and instead it was kind of like, yeah. Eh. But uh, what I was going to say about that was, so going into it, I knew that Bruce Campbell would be showing up because it's a Sam Raimi movie, and I was like, they got to have him play a version of Doctor Strange because I remember. I think it was Wizard Magazine back in the 90s during one of their casting things had <laughs> had Bruce Campbell playing Doctor Strange. Wow. And I'm like that would be amazing and but they didn't do it. I was really like that was probably probably you know like it was cool seeing John Krasinski as uh Mr. Yeah. Fantastic. It that, was cool. That little sequence is the absolute best part of that movie. Yeah, and seeing Anson Mount back as Black Bolt, I was like that's cool. But it's yeah, like, and bringing Patrick Stewart back, yeah. that was cool and unexpected. But, but yeah, they should have had Sam Raimi as, as a version of Doctor Strange. That would have been and, I mean, awesome. Bruce Campbell made made an awesome Elvis, if you've ever seen the movie Bubba Hotep. Yep. I hate that movie. <laughs> He's like, you know, the concept is Elvis didn't die, he just snuck <laughs> off and lived a private life, and he ends up in a retirement home that's being haunted by an evil mummy. <laughs> I love that you know that because nobody I know knows that movie. Well, I, I mean, I'm a huge Bruce Campbell fan, so I remember reading yeah. about that movie before it came out, and I'm like, oh, I got to see this. Hmm. I'll have to check that out, maybe. Yeah, and he he actually does a pretty good job of being Elvis. Like, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, you know, an old, an old, a grumpy old man Elvis, but yeah. Yeah. Um... Excellent. Uh, Kevin, your thoughts on these these two films? Again, on the list of have not seen yet. All right. Um, I, the thing is not on the list so far. There is a there's a secret plan for a podcast. One of my friends is a big horror movie fan, and he found out how many horror movies I have not watched. Mm. And he wants to do a show where he introduces me to them. Now, at first it was going to be make me watch terrible ones and get my a re, my upset, angry reaction to them. 
But then once you found out how many good ones I haven't seen, it got changed. <laughs> so this, this has been a thing percolating in the background for a little while. Excellent. But Evil Dead is on the, the list if that ever gets off the ground. Cool. Um, Alexa, your thoughts on these two films? I like them. I've seen them many times. Will I stop watching them? Definitely not. Um, they, I don't know. Like Ragnar said, I like. I like. They're funny. They're. They were eye opening as far as you know. Like you said, the camera is being shot at different places. That was one of the first times that I had ever seen that in an older style movie, and now that makes sense as to why. <laughs> um, you know, and I do. I, I don't know. I think that they were both funny and eye-opening and different for their time. Excellent. And Lillian, your thoughts on these films? I love them so much. And it's funny because if Ragnar hadn't gone into such an in-depth as to everything about budget, the background, I would have probably word for word said every single thing he said. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's probably one thing that I loved most of all uh, about these movies was I got like I read books and I heavily got into I was fascinated by the way they raised money, the budget, what they did, how they cut corners, how they did certain scenes, how they shot things, whether it came to giant buckets of blood or how they even made it, how awful it was to be covered in it, uh, how they used different scenes with like using floorboards and uh, body parts or people hiding places. Like it's so cool. And I mean, it's also creepy as all can be. And my brother loved it. He got me into it. And for the longest time, you couldn't go anywhere without my brother running up going, this is my boomstick. <laughs> and so I got him a shirt for that for his birthday. Um, I mean, a friend of mine has the Necronom nom cooking menu, uh, a cookbook. It's a Necronom nom, nom, something like that. <laughs> but uh, either way, it's fantastic. Like, I, 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 I can do horror movies like this. I love I can there's like a weird bubble of horror movies that are just treasured by me. And yet there's certain horror movies that if it deals with certain topics, I'm like, you will never leave my brain. I can't watch you. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's just too it's either too real or it's too just like this is something that could possibly happen to me. Not a thing. But this is I mean, sure, you could wind up in the woods and you could get attacked by things. But at the same time, it's it's movies. it's, It's fun. I mean. Would I ever go out into the cabin in the woods? No, probably not. I mean, I, I would not without looking behind me, wondering if something was going to come through the trees and get me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but, but Lillian, if you did, and if you got possessed by the thing, would you cut your own hand off with the chainsaw? No. Mel, and maybe. then bounce the chainsaw to your arm in place of the missing hand. If I was able to, Absolutely. Um, it makes for a unique appendage. Didn't they do? They did an Evil Dead TV show, and he had a wooden hand. And the way that they filmed him with that wooden hand, it just did not make sense. But it was so good. Well, they they did that in in Army of Darkness. It's like one of the first things he does is build a mechanical hand so that they didn't have to have his hand yeah. be in a stump something the whole time. 
Which makes so much, it's so good. I mean, this is the movie that spawned my love of, like you said, Ragnar, you know, Bruce Campbell, the Raimi brothers. I, I was obsessed with Ted Raimi and Xena. I don't yeah. know why he's the most gangly, awkward looking dude, but I had such a crush on him. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I got to meet him at a Comic-Con a few years back and I got him to sign a picture from Xena. And he's like standing on a table and everyone, like all these women are looking at him. Cool. He was really funny in person, Ted Raimi. See? Maybe it's just because I like the funny guys. Yeah, That's like just he, me. You just walked up to him and you could just tell, like, this guy's going to be funny. And he had everybody laughing all day. I love it. See, he seems like a good dude. But yes, love those movies. Love them. Excellent. All right. Well, the next film uh, on the list is, honestly, I think the fil- one of the films that scared me the most as a kid in the 80s. Um, and that is The Terminator. <gasps> it came out in 1984. Uh, it was released October 26, 1984. So I, I, I would have watched it probably in 1985 on VHS. I just remember my parents renting it. And, you know, that whole sequence where Arnie goes into the cop shop and, like, kills all the cops... Like, that just scared the shit out of me as a kid. Because I was like, you know, as a, as a kid, you're always told, you know, the cops will protect you, they're our friends, blah, blah, blah. If, if you're ever in trouble, you know, find a police officer. But then to see, like, Sarah going to them and then, like, the Terminator just killing them all, like, that just blew me away. Like, I was, like, so scared. Um and this whole idea of a post-apocalyptic future where robots are hunting humans and and all that. Like, it just blew me away um, and scared the crap out of me. Uh, so, yeah, I've seen this film many, many times. I've seen the sequel probably more times. Um, T2 is probably on my top ten list um, of films. Um but the Terminator, the the original, is amazing as well for for you know the time that it was made, the budget they had, um, you know Linda Hamilton. This was the first thing I had ever seen her in. I would later see her in the TV series Beauty and the Beast, and then yeah, she was just amazing in T two, like so she got so jacked for that movie. It was it was incredible. Um, but, uh, you know, and Ar- Arnie makes a good uh, robot because, you know, he's just already he's not human like because his physique is so like crazy that uh, it totally makes sense that there'd be a robot underneath that skin. Um, and then uh, what what else was I going to say? I had something. Damn it. Totally slipped my mind now. Um, but yeah, this, this was a great film and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, one of my favorites. Um, all right. So first up, we'll go with Kevin, your thoughts on this film. I absolutely love it. Um, I agree with like when I was a kid, uh, again, like we didn't have video all the time, but the babysitter did. And there was also ways like, you know, a couple times a year, there was the free HBO weekend. Mm-hmm. 
But I remember seeing the Terminator commercials, trailers, whatever, when I was a kid and assuming it was a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this looks so creepy and so scary. Terminator 2 came out, which is just like a landmark movie, I think. And I'm like, oh, my God, this movie's incredible. Oh, I've never seen the first Terminator. Maybe I should. And yeah, the, the like, yes, they fall. Yes, it's Arnold. Yes, it's James Cameron and all. But man, those are just two very different movies. Yeah. In, in so many ways. But I like, you know, kind of like um, Ragnar was saying for Evil Dead. When you compare T2 to Terminator, Terminator seems like the low budget, almost indie film in mm-hmm. comparison to T2. Yep. So when I finally watched it, I was like, I'm just enjoying this for what it is and how much they pulled off and what a great story it is here. And, you know, for for Chris and I, for sure, you know, we got the little Harlan Ellison thing in there, too, because mm-hmm. they ripped off, you know, his story got ripped off and he litigated because that's how he spent half of his life. That's what <laughs> I was. I, that's what I was going to mention. That's what I forgot was, yeah, it's the Terminator is actually based on two of his stories that he did for the outer limits and um the the reason why he was able to kind of get some money out of it and, and kind of win was that james cameron in an interview uh was asked like his inspiration and he said um he said yeah it was like an episode of the outer limits that made me think of this and of course he was referencing harlan ellison's you know episodes but uh and also, quickly, I just wanted to throw in there that Bill Paxton uh, was in this movie. He's one of the punk guys at the beginning of the movie. Um, and also, in the bark? No, it, it, like when, when Arnie first arrives and he's looking for like an outfit, oh. uh, <clears throat> Bill Paxton is one of the punk guys. And then also the guy that, um, oh, he's been in so many different things. I can't remember the actor's name, but. He um, played the bounty hunter alien on the X-Files. Um, he played a Jem Hadar on, on Deep Space Nine. Um, he's also one of the guys. I think he's the guy that he Arnie takes his clothes from. Because he's a big dude. Um, kind of like Arnie. I think he's I think he started as like a stunt guy. But he, he does like on camera stuff too. Anyway, um, Alexa, your thoughts on The Terminator? Haven't seen it. Really? Yep. Oh my god. What what about T what about T two? Nope. Really? Jeez. Oh, yep. Alright. Sorry. Next time we <laughs> Hey, no no judgments. No judgments. Cause like I like oh, the... I'm judging. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. I've been waiting this entire time just to say that I haven't seen it because I know I'd be like, I'd be getting it. I'd be hearing it later for sure. That That's all right. But it, it is worth watching. Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. The rest of them don't bother as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the rest of them are pretty yeah. terrible. Yeah. Especially 3. Like, I, I can't believe Arnold agreed to that. Uh, bottom his job as governor. Like... <laughs> Like I I uh, I don't know that was such a bad movie. Anyway, um, and you could totally tell it was filmed in Vancouver. You know I I hate that when when you you're watching a movie and you can totally tell it's like in Canada. 
It's like, no, this is not New York, like or where or L.A. or wherever they said they were. Um, but anyway, uh, Lillian, your your thoughts on the Terminator? So I actually watched them in backwards order, same as as uh, I'm pretty sure it was up Ragnar Kev who said that. Um, <clears throat> have a moment. Anyways, I watched yeah. the second one and was absolutely terrified because oh my gosh, that I'm sorry, they're creepy. Um. Plus, I don't know that the actor who played the T two was so good at just mm-hmm. being awful, <laughs> um, and just when he, he and so then I went and watched Terminator One, and I was like, this is this guy's pretty chill considering, you know, like by the time I had watched it, everyone already did the joke like the I'll be back kind of thing. Um, it was kind of just there, so it, it wasn't that momentous moment the first time I watched it, uh, but it still was. It was, it was, I'm glad I, I love it. Like the both, all the Terminator, well, not all, the first two Terminator movies are awesome. Um, but definitely the second one's my favorite. But the first one, I can see why for, for its time, it was, it was pretty intense. It was very intense. Yep. Um, and Ragnar, your thoughts. Well, first off, I'm very disappointed that my best friend in the whole damn world has never seen either of these movies. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. That's actually exciting because they're both phenomenal movies and you get to experience them for the first time at some point. Um, I saw them in the correct order. I saw Terminator 1 first. Um, Terminator 1 is, yeah, very much like a horror movie or a thriller. Um and it, it it's still a pretty darn good movie. It 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 holds up pretty good. Yeah, Terminator Two is better, <clears throat> basically every way that a movie can be. But Terminator One, it doesn't suck or anything. It's still a good movie. Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a pretty menacing robot villain. Um, one of, if not the only time he's played a villain, he usually plays heroes. He played Mister Freeze. Oh yeah, but but, they, but Mr. Freeze. We don't so talk weird. about that movie. Okay? We that movie is not. It does not exist. I like it. No. <laughs> it's, um, um, I meet you, really, Arnie. You let them make you say that. Just chill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Terminator One's great. Um, James Cameron, it's not his first movie, but I think it was his first big movie. And it it certainly launched his career as, you know, like really, James, even the James Cameron movies that I don't particularly like are still good movies. Like he, he has that golden touch. Um, and I, I'm hurt, I've heard that he can be very, at times, be difficult to work with because he's a perfectionist and he has a very clear vision and he doesn't let things get in the way of that. But when you watch his movies, you understand like there's a reason this is, this guy makes movies that make this kind of money. Like there's a reason he's the top guy in his game. Um, and yeah. And when you watch Terminator, you can see like, Oh yeah, this guy is going to go on to bigger and better things for sure. Um, it also, Again, it wasn't Arnold's first movie, but it was definitely the one that brought him fame as a movie star. And 
And it also introduced Michael Bean, who never quite made it big, but was in a lot of great 80s action mm. and sci-fi movies. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And and I will say, if you ever watch Terminator 2, there's like a director's cut version of it yes. or something, which is really good, yeah. because they uh, filmed a scene with Michael Bean when Sarah yes. Sarah's in the mental institution, and that Which was doesn't appear in the normal cut. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't appear in the normal cut, and it was fantastic. Um, yeah. Oh, and there's something else. And, oh, when they take the chip out of, uh, like, when they reset the chip in in Arnold in the second movie, like that whole scene where they're um, it, uh, look like they're doing it while looking in the mirror. Um. That's actually Linda Hamilton and her twin sister acting against each other to, uh, make, to make it look like she's look like they're looking in a mirror, but they're not actually looking through a mirror. Right. That's kind of cool. <clears throat> yeah, because like the um, Linda Hamilton, because you get a close up of her of her face, and she's you know working on removing the chip from Arnold's head. That Arnold's head's a prosthetic, but then when you look in the mirror. That's Arnold and Linda Hamilton's sister, you know. That's that's pretty clever. Yeah. That's pretty clever. They also did, in Terminator 2, they did that bit with the security guard that the T-1000 kills. Mm-hmm. And, then, and the T-1000 kills him and then copies him, so it looks like a, a copy of him kills him. And that was done with mostly real effects with two twin actors who are identical twins. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, the guy that was getting the coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh, it must be my lucky day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. Terminator, Terminator One is, is a great movie. Technically, you don't have to watch it because they explain enough in Terminator Two at the beginning for you to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't see any reason to skip it. It, it's got some wicked parts. It it makes the second movie a little bit like hit a little bit heavier. I I see no reason to skip it. I would strongly suggest watching it. Excellent. Um. All right. So the next film on our list uh, is also from 1984, and it is Ghostbusters. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Original air date, June 8th, 1984. So I'm going to just read a little bit here from the book. Um, Amid all his anxieties, Bill Murray laughed, turned to Dan Aykroyd and said, Pal, you've just written one of the biggest comedies of all time. Relax. In this, as in so many other things in life, Bill Murray was entirely correct. Ghostbusters was a critical and commercial triumph and standards by which all other effects comedies are still judged. It had originally been written by Aykroyd in the early 1980s for himself and John Belushi as a future-set time-traveling horror about two guys featuring evil ghosts. Aykroyd was a life, has a lifelong interest in the supernatural, but, lo- but he lost heart in the idea after Belushi's early death and threw it in a drawer. Still, he could not entirely let it lie. Eventually, he showed it to Ivan Reitman, the director, Uh, who saw intriguing possibilities in the concept. He liked the blue-collar sensibility of regular guys doggedly fighting ghosts, but he pushed for a contemporary Manhattan setting 
not least because it would make the movie's budget something that a studio might actually be able to afford, Aykroyd went back to work with this time, this time with Harold Ramis beside him, and Ghostbusters began to take shape. Um, so yeah, I love this 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 the movie. Um, you know, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis as Egon, Bill Murray, like uh, like uh, that guy can make me laugh. It's just amazing. Um, and uh, Sigourney Weaver. In, was in this film, and uh, Ernie Hudson was fantastic. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the uh, the other guy. Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids guy. Uh, Rick Moranis. Uh, Rick, Moranis. Rick Moranis, yes. Yes, he was in this as well. Oh, yeah, there, yeah, Rick Moranis. Uh, as the dweeby Lewis Tully. Um, yeah, Key just... Master. Yeah, yeah, just it was a great film, you know. Uh, Ray Parker Jr.'s um, song, you know, Ghostbusters. Like I, I st every time I hear it, I still listen to it and love that that move that song. Um, especially the music video because John Candy's in it too. And I was like, yep. damn, I wish John Candy had been in Ghostbusters. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it's just a, a great film. Um, you know, loved it as a kid, and and I still love it to the to this day. And to be honest with you, uh, I still haven't watched the uh, Ghostbusters Rebirth or Afterlife or whatever the Afterlife. Yeah, the I uh, cried. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, I got I got I got to so watch good. that. But I was not a fan of the 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 reimagined Ghostbusters with Melissa McCarthy. I I didn't like that. Chris Hemsworth. Man, he was funny. He was super funny in that. Yeah. But he was a nerd in that, wasn't he? Yeah. He's, you know, the he's like the sexy, the dumb, sexy um, receptionist they hire. Yeah. Oh, Annie Potts was the receptionist in the original one, too. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I, and I love Annie Potts. Mm -hmm. um, she's in uh, Young Sheldon. I, I've been watching clips of Young Sheldon, and, and she plays the grandma. And, oh. and she's still amazing and still beautiful like as cool. as an as an older lady she's still really pretty um and yeah funny as hell um but yeah and ghostbusters 2 not a big fan of that one like honest oh, see i still liked it too yeah i was yeah the first one was definitely better well that's the thing like i think it was that case where you know, the first one reached such heights, it's hard to replicate that. So, but anyway, uh, Alexa, your thoughts on Ghostbusters? I absolutely love it. I actually spent the better part of, well, an entire year and then a couple weeks afterwards watching nothing but Ghostbusters every single night because it was stuck in my TV VCR. <laughs> and I was not disappointed by this. Nor did it stop me from ever watching Ghostbusters again. I still watch this movie about five times a year. I absolutely love it. There is not a single thing I can say bad about it. It hits every single mark for me. Excellent. Uh, Lillian, your thoughts on Ghostbusters? 
I love this movie. I I love this movie. There's there's nothing I don't love about this movie. Uh, it, it's just the right amount of funny and cr- those ghosts are some of the creepy as hell and beautiful. I love this movie. Excellent. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts? Yeah, fantastic movie. I remember watching it like rent, probably a rental at home, watching it with my parents and my sister as a kid and it totally blew my mind and it was so good and I've rewatched it dozens of times and it's just as good every time there's everything about it is great the, the cast is incredible the writing is good the story's good the special effects are good like everything about it's great um, you know and I but I think that's one of the things that makes it so great is the special effects are not fantastic but they're just good enough yeah, they, right? they suit it. They suit yeah. it really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I still prefer special effects like that to a lot of the CGI nowadays because oh, definitely. Yeah, I don't know the CGI. I can I can tell it's CGI, and that always bothers me. Well, with, I, with some exceptions, like the newest Avatar movie, there were a lot of moments when I could not tell it was CGI. Mm-hmm. I actually thought like, holy shit, they actually just had everyone in costume this time. No, nope, it was all CGI. Um, but most movies I can tell. Oh yeah, that's CGI. I don't know. It's not as exciting. Yeah. Uh, Kev, your thoughts on Ghostbusters? You know, the more I I think about it and hearing everyone, like maybe one of the most perfect movies ever. Mm -hmm. Like it's got everything. It's got the comedy. It's got the horror. It has drama. It has romance. It is, I mean, I watched it when I was a kid and loved it. I'll watch it as an adult, and there are completely different things that I love in it. Like, just for one example, you don't realize how funny and how great Annie Potts is when you watch it as a kid. Yep. When you're older, she's freaking brilliant in that movie. Yep. Uh, Rick Moranis, a lot of the stuff he says goes over your head as a kid. Watching as adult, you're like, oh my god, this is just so damn funny. There's so much to it, and you know, you you could not watch it for a while, come back to it, and still, you know, something hits you different. Mm-hmm. You know what? Freaking thirty, thirty-five years later. Yep. Oh you know, yeah, it's just so good. God, I won't watch it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the scene when, um, at the beginning of the movie where they're doing, like, Bill Murray's doing that experiment where he's trying to see if people could read the cards and he keeps, like, passing the hot chick, even though she's getting everything wrong and the guy that's getting everything right always gets, like, buzzed. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was genius. I, I, I'm sitting here trying, I'm like... How old was I when I first watched this? And can I get away with us watching it together? Yes. I, I, yeah, I think there's like one scene that went over my head when I was a kid, so I'll probably go over his too. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. Like the first time I watched it with my son, he was three and loved <laughs> it then. <laughs> Excellent. And then, it, you know, as they get older... And watch it again. They'll they'll be like us, where they just find new things in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the things that went over your head suddenly they don't go over your head, and then you appreciate the movie on a whole new level. <laughs> mm-hmm. Excellent. 
All right, so the next film is from 1984. It was released June 8th, and that is Gremlins. Mm. Mm, nice. So, um, yeah, this, uh, I think we know about, was it, was his name Mowgli? Or am Mo I saying? Mowgli. No. Mo Mo it's a Mogwai, Mo and his name was Gizmo. Gizmo. Mowgli, that's the kid from uh, the Jungle, Jungle Book. Book. Right. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> it's been a few years since I watched this one, but I do remember it fondly. Uh, except for the one scene. And I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> I just remember um, the dad in this um, because he was like a local actor. Um, he used to do commercials for, I want to say City Ford. No, no. Oh, it was one of the Ford dealerships in Edmonton. He used to do commercials wow. for. Uh, yeah, the dad, the dad in this movie, the guy that gets uh, Gizmo for a son. Um, he, yeah, he's a local Edmonton actor. Oh, I, um, I did not know that. Yeah, he used. Yeah, he used to do Ford commercials. That's how I remembered him. Wow. Um, I know it wasn't for City Ford because that was Nicky Ferdinsky who used to do those. And then Denny Andrews Ford had that kid, Denny. Um, and then there was another Ford. Oh, man. I Maybe Kentwood Ford? I can't remember. But anyway, um, I just remember him being in it. And whenever I'd see the Ford commercials, I'd always think of Gremlins. Um, also, Phoebe Cates, you know, one of my 80s crushes. I loved Phoebe Cates. Um, yeah. She was just fantastic. The special effects were amazing. But the scene that, that um, got me in this movie that I didn't like as a kid, and it actually they mention it in this write-up, uh, is when Phoebe Cates is talking about the death of her father um, in the universe and that he dressed up as Santa Claus and, and was trying to climb down the chimney and he broke his neck. Um, and that's how she knew that there was no Santa Claus. As a kid, hearing those words, it was really awkward sitting in 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 the living room with my parents because it's like, do I ask? Is what she said true? There's no Santa. Do do I bring this up? Well, you know, will will I lose my gifts if I say something? <laughs> um, so that you know, like I apparently they were going to cut that line because they they were thinking you know like kids might see that and but they kept it in um but yeah i just remember like that was kind of like the first splash of cold water in my face that hey there's no santa claus um and i was probably four or five when i saw that so you know i just i just denied it for a few more years but then eventually i came to accept the truth um but yeah you know this was a great film it was it was um you know, great Christmas film. Um, and I believe, if I remember correctly, the guy who plays Mike on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, he's in this movie as one of the cops. Uh, I can't remember his name now. I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, um, yeah, this this was a, a great film. Uh, Lillian, your thoughts on Gremlins? So I've never seen it. Um, what? I have seen parts of it, 
but I was not allowed to watch it as a kid, so I can only I've I've seen I know of Gremlins. I I know that you know you don't want to get them wet after midnight. Um, but I have never actually. Okay, wait, is it this one where the gremlin goes to the paper shredder? Is that another one? No, he goes into a blender. No, there's one with a paper shredder somewhere, and that that scene is stuck in my brain. There is a, there is a scene with a paper shredder. Yes. Yeah, it's stuck in my brain. Um, that that I have seen, but I've never actually seen the whole movie through. Hmm. But so, you, definitely parts of it have impacted my childhood. <laughs> So, so did did your parents see it, and then they said you couldn't see it? No, no, I just I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of things when I was a kid. Oh, okay, I'm just one. I was just wondering if that was the whole Santa Claus spoiler. Maybe mm-hmm. they they're like, nope, we can't let her see this. But nope, I, I was raised without Santa Claus, so that part's easy. Hmm, interesting. Um, all right, uh, Ragnar, your thoughts on this film? Uh, I actually haven't seen this movie since I was like a, I don't know, a young teenager. But I remember loving it. Um, there were a few parts that I thought were kind of creepy. Um, but as a whole, I remember just loving it and thinking like, this is great. So I think I should probably rewatch it as well as the sequel. Um yeah, I feel like I probably should just do that. But yeah, from what I recall, it was awesome. Excellent. Um, so really quickly, did you know rejected ideas for a sequel included sending the gremlins to Las Vegas or Mars? In the end, Dante returned to make 1990s Gremlins 2, the new batch, set in a New York skyscraper. Uh, Kevin, your thoughts on Gremlins? I absolutely loved it. Watched it so much as a kid. Was so happy when there was a Gremlins 2. Wanted more and more of it. Um, you know, like... I don't want to say for kids, but that's how it felt. Like, this is a horror movie for kids. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were a few of them at the time. And that's just kind of how it felt for me. I mean, yeah, there's a couple of gross things in there. And I'm trying to remember, like, I know the Santa Claus scene, and either I was a kid, so I'm not entirely paying attention to, you know, dialogue and exposition and character development. I'm just, like, get the gremlins on screen again. Or it just went right over top of me, or I, I don't know. Like, I know that scene. I know I saw it. I know I saw it when I was a kid, too. But for some reason, it didn't click with me. Maybe I thought it was, like, Oh, it was just her dad pretending, and I ignored the rest of it. I don't know. Well, I I think for me, like I said, like I don't know if you guys have seen. There's a like a video circulating on YouTube and and Facebook and stuff where this this um, lady is filming her nephew, who's like a little guy, like you know maybe two or three years old, and he's just smitten with her friend. Like he can't stop staring at her. And he's just got this big smile on his face. Like, he's just in love, right? That's how I was with Phoebe Cates. Like, (laughs) whenever she came on the screen, like, I could not take my eyes off her. I was just captivated. So I was listening to her every word. I think that's why it stuck with me so, so badly. It's just, I was just captivated by her. Um, 
That and somehow I think I seen that scene from Fast Times. I'm, I'm pretty sure my dad was watching that movie and I seen her take her top <laughs> off and and I fell in love. Um, but anyway, uh, Alexa, your thoughts on Gremlins? This is uh, one of my all-time favorite movies. I watched it last week. <laughs> oh, oh, cool. Nice. Um, yeah, again, it's one I've watched over and over and watch often. There is not a thing I don't like about it. When uh, when my mother moved in or my stepdad moved in with us, he had a dog, a Shih Tzu, that was named Gizmo, and it was named off of that movie. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe you are kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just based on that alone, but... That was about it. Um, another one my son likes. I remember uh, watching this movie as a kid, and it scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. And it never really stopped me from watching it. I kept watching it, didn't like it, but still watched it. Glad I did, because I still watch it to this day, clearly. Excellent. Um... All right, so the next film on the list is 1984's Beverly Hills Cop. And this was released December 5th, 1984. Uh, Eddie Murphy was one of the biggest stand-up stars in the world in 1984, with his delirious TV routine already a classic and four years of Saturday Night Live behind him. Um, so I watched these movies um, with my parents when they were released, because there's three of them, right? I think. Beverly Hills. I, I can't remember. But the, I watched them at the time. And, you know, I love Eddie Murphy. But I've never went back to rewatch them as an adult. So I can't really speak to to them. Um, but Eddie Murphy's fantastic. You know, like 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 this, art, or this uh, headline said, you know, he's one of the biggest stars at the time when this movie came out, um, the only thing I would add is um, to give it kind of a Star Trek spin is apparently, and I just, I don't know, read this not too long ago and, and seen something about it. Um, Eddie Murphy's apparently a big Star Trek fan, big Star Trek fan. And for um, Star Trek for the voyage home, originally he was supposed to be in that movie. Um, they were at like with them going back in time to 1986 San Francisco. Uh, they were going to meet up with Eddie Murphy instead of um, Dr. Jillian Taylor that they went with in the movie. Um, and then, you know, Eddie Murphy was going to help them find the whales and, you know, and it was going to be funny and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they just couldn't make it work uh, because, for one, they thought Eddie Murphy would like outshine the Star Trek cast, which I totally think would happen. Um, and then, yeah, like it just didn't make sense that this guy, you know, like it, it didn't make any sense. But they wanted to capitalize on Beverly Hills Cops, you know, the su success of Eddie Murphy. They they were going to try it with with Star Trek, but thankfully they didn't do it. Um, that's one of those crazy what if scenarios. Like what would have happened had they done that? Um, I think it could have been the end of Star Trek. Like I love Eddie Murphy. He's a great actor. 
it's cool that he's a Star Trek fan like me, but I just can't see him in a Star Trek movie unless he's playing a serious character. But if he was doing like the comedy stuff, which is what I think they wanted to go for, I just don't think it would have worked. Um, he would be great if he showed up like as an example in Deep Space Nine when they have the Hollow Suite with um, Vic. Yeah, or, something like that. Like, yeah. If if Eddie Murphy was something like that, oh, he's this, you know, funny character in a Hollow Suite program that they interact with from time to time. Something like that would totally work. But to have him as anything beyond a funny cameo or funny recurring small character would just be so distracting and he would end up like hogging all the attention. Yeah, and, and yeah, I just think it was for the best that this didn't happen. Um, and I think uh, I think I've seen an interview with him talking about this, and he's like, "Yeah, he was glad it didn't happen either because it just wouldn't have worked." Um, but I mean, fantastic, funny guy, like you know, but just not for Star Trek. But anyway, that's that's not really Beverly Hills Cop, but that was also an '80s movie. Um, so who Lillian? I think I'm starting with you this time. Um, Hello. What, what are your thoughts on Beverly Hills Cop? I've never seen it. Now, if you were asking me about Beverly Hills Ninja, that's another story. <laughs> but, um, I've never seen this one, unfortunately. I'm not a big fan of his. But I probably you, wouldn't even watch it. But you love him as Donkey, though, right? Okay, that's a different thing. Yeah. I mean, go. I don't have to look at his face when he's talking. <laughs> yeah. After he destroyed Dr. Doolittle, I'm like, I have nothing to do with you. Yeah, he did some really bad. Yeah, Do- Nutty Professor was okay. Um, and then he did that, was it Pluto Nash? Was that, it was, yeah. I've wiped it all from my brain. Yeah. But one thing I will say about Eddie Murphy is that man does not age. Like, he's he's got, like, the Keanu Reeves secret or something. Like, he just looks the same you know but anyway uh ragnar your thoughts on beverly hills cop um i saw this again not recently i saw this back in the day Mm -hmm. um and i remember thinking it was really funny and it was pretty good um seems to me it was a good mixture of like comedy and action from what i recall yep um i honestly don't really remember that much of it except that i liked it um yeah yeah i i can't recall very much of it that that's not a problem i i'm i'm much in the same way like i know judge reinhold was in it i know uh yeah. the the guy who played this bulky bat bat bulky bat the guy from perfect strangers uh the the guy the foreign guy he's in this movie or was in the okay. second movie I can't remember, but he he plays like a Beverly Hills hairdresser or something. Oh, if I remember correctly. Cool. But, but that might have been in the second movie. I can't remember. Yeah, they made two or three of these movies, didn't they? Yeah, I want to say they made the three third one in the mid '90s or early '90s. But um, yeah, I think I think it was three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kev, you. Oh, in in my sorry, mind, they were always kind of 
overshadowed by the Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Which had more action and and were also still quite funny. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about those eventually. Um, Kev, your thoughts on Beverly Hills Cop? I, it's it's possible it was on like someone else was watching it or background or whatever, but I've never, as far as I know, sat through any of them. Eddie Murphy's just never done it for me. Hmm. You know, just never cared. I like I can I can respect and appreciate like his Saturday Night Live stuff, but other than that, just never. Prob if I had to pick one, it'd probably be Coming to America. I've actually seen that a few times, but that's a good one. Okay, I I do like that movie. Not for him, but just probably because I have good memories of watching it as a kid, and everything went over my head. Yeah. Um, but the, the Beverly Hills Cops ones never had any interest, never cared. I'm, I'm aware of them, but just never cared. Yep. I, I would probably have to be with someone else, and they really want to watch it for me to watch it. Don't mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. Like, like I said, I, I, I got really nothing to contribute because it's been so long. But uh, Alexa, your thoughts on Beverly Hills Cop? Never seen it. All right. <laughs> Easy peasy. Um, all right. So speaking of uh, movies that I've never seen, to, to continue, uh, 1984, This is Spinal Tap. Um, <laughs> March 2nd, 1984, it, it premiered. I thought this was a real band for like the longest time, but it, it's it's not. Um, it is a band. There is a band. Well, Spinal no. Tap. I mean, there is now. Yeah. They were not a band when the <clears throat> film came out, but they did actually. The members of the band in the movie did actually get together and put out an album. That is not just the soundtrack. True. Okay. They yes. Release. They did release an album of all original stuff. And I actually think they released a second album fairly recently, like within the last five years. Hmm. The, the, they did a song on the newest album called Christmas with the Devil, and I think that was like 2018, 2019. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I've never seen this. It's apparently directed by Rob Reiner. Um, it is. And... Uh, so, on the Did You Know segment here, Rob Reiner asked Dire Straits' Mark Knopfler to score his 1987 movie The Princess Bride, but Koffler agreed only on the condition that Reiner hide his Spinal Tap baseball cap somewhere on screen. It sits behind Fred Savage's bed. <laughs> Interesting. Um, all right, well, Ragnar, uh, your thoughts on this film? Uh, it's a fantastic movie. It is a mockumentary. Um, so when you're first watching it, you're not necessarily aware that it's it's fake. Um, I think in a modern lens, it's pretty obvious. But I think when it first came out, people were unsure if it was real or fake. Um, and everyone I know who's ever been in a band says that this movie is like a hundred percent accurate to what it's like being in a traveling band. Um, the antics, the things that go wrong, having to replace certain band members on a regular basis. 
yeah, the the gags, everyone says, oh, yeah, that's exactly what it's like being in a traveling band. And um, it's quite funny, and it, it pokes a lot of fun at 80s hair metal, which, you know, as somebody who likes metal, is it's excellent to see those things parodied. Um, some of the songs, the original songs, are actually pretty good. And um, my one of my favorite bits about this movie is that the trailer for it starts out with the director, Rob Reiner, and he says, Hi, I'm Rob Reiner. I'm the director of the upcoming film Spinal Tap, and I'm here today to show you some clips from the movie. And then it cuts to this clip of a bunch of, like, I don't know, Dutch children in wooden clogs pushing giant wheels of cheese down a hillside. <laughs> and then eventually it cuts back to him and he goes, well, clearly that's not the movie I was here to show you. You'll just have to go see it to see what it's like. <laughs> and I just thought that's that was pretty epic. It's amazing. Trailer. Cause it's, it fits the humor of the movie and yet gives nothing about the movie away. And if I saw that, if I was in a theater seeing something else and that was a trailer, I would be like, we got to go see that movie. I thought that was just absolutely brilliant. Um, I also have the soundtrack on vinyl. Cool. Yeah. As a a cool collectible. Um, But yeah, if you, you know, um, like mockumentary, slightly dry comedy and have any interest in heavy metal of the 1980s at all, it's pretty much a must-watch. Yeah, I remember seeing it in the video stores, but never renting it. And I think I even had, like, a Spinal Tap t-shirt. That's oh, what, That's why I always thought they were, like, for the longest time, I actually thought they were a band. Yeah. Which, yeah. technically, uh, no. in some world, they are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because all the... The, the guys who play the characters in the movie do play those instruments on the songs and sing the vocals like it they they didn't they didn't lip sync it in like that was all they learned how to sing and play those instruments hmm. interesting uh kev your your thoughts on this is spinal tap it's one of those movies <clears throat> that when you see it you realize how much it's been a part of your life and you never knew there's so many jokes and references and callbacks to it. And so many other things that we enjoy. It's just so influential. I mean, it's here. Let's take the smartest comedians in the room, give them early heavy metal and Monty Python and see what you come up with. Yep. Yeah. That is such a good way to put it. Yeah, if Monty Python was a '80s metal band, this is the movie that would have been about them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and there's stuff where you watch it, and you're like, "That's where that joke comes from." Yep, that, that's where, you know that's where it is, and, and I mean the the humor and the tongue in cheek, but brilliant too. Like I don't think we get. I mean, voice voice and actors aside. I don't think you get things like The Simpsons without Spinal Tap. Hmm. I, I don't, and, and of course, one of the guys in Spinal Tap was a regular voice contributor on The Simpsons yep. for many years. But I, I don't think you get modern comedy without Spinal Tap. No, no. There, there, and, and 
you know, there's a few things that's like, oh, this was a lot of people love this, a lot of people love that. You can see echoes and and how it influenced people. But if you removed it, they may have watched something else. You don't get comedy to where we're at today without Smile Tap. Hell, in some ways, like, I wonder if you would get someone like a Weird Al without Spinal Tap. I don't know, because, yeah. you know, the art of parody is a is a beautiful thing. Except that Weird Al was already fairly established before Spinal Tap. True. Yeah. Was he? Or my years just all off on that? Yeah, he, he started well before that movie. Okay. I'm just, my years are all off. But I, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, but I, I totally get what you're saying, though. Yeah, uh, just a brilliant, brilliant movie. And again, one of those ones where you watch it and you're like, uh, that I did not notice that joke or didn't catch it or it just hits me differently this time. Like what what you bring into it from your own life and experiences, then other jokes just hit you differently every time you watch it. And something that may have just been nothing to you beforehand is now the funniest joke in the world. So good. Excellent. Um, all right. Alexa, your thoughts on This is Spinal Tap? I haven't seen it. All right. Um, and Lillian, your thoughts? I love this movie. Um, but I have a, I have an issue with musicals, so naturally it doesn't matter if it's a mockumentary or not. It's, it's a musical. Um, and it's fantastic. And I think that it should be watched by everybody. At some point. Excellent. All right. Well, I think um, I'm going to put a bookmark on on the next movie. Uh, but before we end this episode, I just because I wanted to use this movie as a segue into a final discussion. Um, so there's a, a a segment in this book called Best Musical Moments of the 1980s. Uh, so I'll go over them real quick and, and uh, just give me your thoughts if, if you agree or disagree, or if you remember, or, or whatever your thoughts are. As long as you were okay with synthesizers and not allergic to hairspray, the 1980s was a great decade for music. Pop, <laughs> pop got a boost from the arrival of MTV, rock splintered into thousands of flamboyant pieces, hair metal, heavy metal, punk, the rap started small but grew to make to take over the world yet some of the best music moments in the film were throwbacks to the 1950s or 60s it goes to show that nostalgia isn't what it used to be so from the movie say anything uh from 1989 the song in your eyes by peter gabriel uh john cusack plays an underachiever dating the high school valedictorian after she dumps him, he tries to woo her back with the power of Peter Gabriel standing under her window to deliver a boombox serenade. Romeo, eat your heart out. So if you've never seen this movie, you've, you've had to have seen uh, a still at some point of John Cusack holding up uh, a boombox uh, trying to impress his, his, uh, his girl. Very iconic pose. Um... Uh, does anyone actually remember the song? No. no. Yeah. I mean, I remember the song more from it being on the radio and everything. It was a big song. Not the song that was played when they filmed it, though, because they didn't know what song they were going to have the rights to. Mm. 
So when they filmed it, they were actually playing Fishbone. Huh. I know Peter Gabriel does a song called Sledgehammer, which I like. Yeah. That's a good song. Um, the 1986 film Pretty in Pink, the song Try a Little Tenderness by Otis Redding. Perhaps the best lip-synced yes. ever committed to film Ducky, uh, played by John Cryer, gives us all in a casual, mad, joyous performance of Otis, Reddy's, Otis Redding's slow-building banger. Of course, Molly Ringwald's Andy just stares at him because she is awful. Um... Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 1986, the song Twist and Shout by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I've seen all the famous uh, sights eaten in the best restaurants and kissed the prettiest girl. How else could Matthew Broderick's Ferris Bueller finish his day but by leading her parade downtown Michigan Avenue dancing to the catchiest of Beatles recordings? Um, so in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, 1985, the song Tequila... <laughs> Uh, also, the champs. Having wandered into the Ron Biker bar and accidentally knocking over all the bikes, Pee Wee Herman, paid, played by Paul Rubens, is facing certain death. He wins a reprieve somehow by, by dancing to tequila along the top of the bar and smashing the gu- gang's drinks. Don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> oh, God, that's a fun scene. Um... Risky Business, 1983, the song Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob (laughs) Seger. When the parents are away, the teens will play. Tom Cruise's Joel celebrates his first night of freedom with whiskey and a Coke, a TV dinner, and no-holds-barred dance around the living room in shirt, underpants, and white sports socks. Somehow it made him a star. Um... The next film is Do the Right Thing, 1989, the song Fight the Power by Public Enemy. On the hot summer day, uh, racial tensions boil over in a pizzeria as Public Enemy blasts out the moment after Sal, uh, Danny Aleo, attacks Radio Raheem's Bill Nunn. Boombox in absolute silence descends uh, is somehow more shocking than all the swearing before it. Um, Blue Velvet, 1986, The Sun in Dreams by Roy Orbertson. This is another case of lip-syncing, but far more disturbing one. Ben, played by Dean Stockwell, performs Roy Orbertson's melancholy classic, first entrancing and then enraging his violent partner in crime, Frank Dennis Hopper. It's surreal, unsettling, and strangely beautiful. Um... Dirty Dancing, 1987. Yeah. The song I've Had the Time of My Life uh, by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes. Um, an Oscar Grammy and Golden Globe winner, the song was the soundtrack for the joyous, brilliantly choreographed dance finale when Baby came out of the corner and onto the stage. There's rarely a moment where it has not been played somewhere in the world ever since. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic song. I, I love that song. Um, almost as much as I love the next song. Uh, and that is Back to the Future 1985. The song Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly steps in to perform uh, with Marvin Berry and the Starlighters. So his parents, <laughs> B, can have their first dance and rocks out with a classic rock and roll hit. 
Marvin, meanwhile, gets on the phone to his cousin Chuck to tell him he's found a new sound. And last but not least, I believe that's the last of this. Yep. Last but not least is Rocky Three, 1983. Oh. The song Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Sylvester Stallone wanted Queens Another One Bites the Dust, but actually turned down Joe Esposito's You're the Best, which went to The Karate Kid instead, but it turned out for the best. Eye of the Tiger became the best Rocky theme and something of a theme song for the decade. Yeah. And and Weird Al did it as the Rye or the Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> did he seriously do that? Yes, he sure did. Oh, it's smokes. all about working in a deli. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, yeah, that's the thing about Weird Al. Like, we we got to do an episode about Weird Al. I think at some point. I, I as a man with a Weird Al tattoo, I could not agree with you more. All right, I'm putting that on the list because yeah, he's uh, he's an amazing guy. Um, funny. Um, and the first celebrity I actually ever got to meet. So, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, but um, all right. Well, I think, like I said, we'll put a bookmark in uh, the ep or this episode for movies. Uh, but to give a quick preview, when we come back to this topic for part three, where we are going to be starting with a Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yes. So be on, be prepared for that one, because uh, that's a classic. Um, but before we go, let's play this little game of where we can find you on the internet. And Alexa, as our newest co-host in crime, uh, where can we find you on the internet? I can usually be found at twitch.tv forward slash rexarula. Excellent. Um, you can find me, Chris Lockhart. I am on social medias, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at ChrisLock1701. Uh, I do a blog. Um, lately I've been doing my comic book picks. I find my picks are getting smaller and smaller, uh, which <laughs> is good, uh, because, you know, I'm so behind on my comic book reading anyway, um, that, you know, actually buying less comics is actually a good thing at this point, so I can catch up. Um, so yeah, I do my weekly comic book picks every week. So if you want to check out the blog and see what I, what I'm recommending, uh, go to randomnerdness.blogspot.com. Uh, Lillian, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, just look for queen zombie. I am the queen of the zombies. Um, and, uh, that's, and if you're anywhere in the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia, come and, Join us at a spooky little fun pop culture festival at the Trading Convention Center, October 21st and 22nd. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Kevin, where can we find you, sir? Uh, all right. I'm still in the D rebrand, as one of my friends called it, bringing everything back to Hellion. So at Hellion's team across most social medias and Hellion'sTeam.com. And I'm working on it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it's a progress, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If I knew I was gonna get in the headspace to go back to it, I wouldn't have changed it <laughs> four years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
you know, you did what you had to do. And and like I said, Mass Library is still a great, uh, a yeah. great, great thing as well. So, um, and Ragnar, where can we find you, sir? Well, uh, my main website, RagnarTheTrader.com, or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram as RagnarTheTrader. And uh, this upcoming weekend, I will be at the Edmonton Expo. If you happen to be in Edmonton area and want to go to the second biggest Comic-Con in Alberta, Mm -hmm. which is only marginally smaller than the Calgary one, I'll be there and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, August, or August, Jesus. Uh, September 15th to the 17th. I can't believe We're in the middle of September. Like, I'm having yeah. trouble believing summer's over already. Like, what happened? Like, ugh. Like, it, it's, like okay, I'm going to go on an old man rant real quick here. <laughs> um, it just seemed okay, like we... Grandpa. Yeah, well, I'm a grandpa now, so I'm allowed to, you know, have naps <laughs> and, and rant about things. Um, it just, like, with all the smoke and the shitty weather, like, either it being too hot or friggin' monsoons... Like, it just didn't feel like we had a summer. Like, I, I just felt like I was inside just as much as I was during the winter time. It was a terrible summer. Yeah, and, and it's now it's over. Like, yes, like, it, like up here, the weather is quite warm. But now we're being smoked out again. Like, uh, I'm just I'll so... send you some sunshine. I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I wish, uh, you know, I just... Uh... Maybe I need to go to Antarctica just to chill. <laughs> well, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, that's hopefully hopefully it clears up for the weekend, Ragnar, so you don't have to choke out in Edmonton. Yeah, that'd be nice, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. But uh, like I said, we will be seeing you there. Um, on yeah, sat- on Saturday for sure. And I think my my father in law might even be joining us because uh, oh, cool. yeah, I was telling him about it, and and uh, our our mutual buddy Jeff might be going. He, he's still kind of up in the air about it. So okay, oh, I love Jeff. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But uh, all right. Uh, well, so for our next recording, uh, we will be doing an episode of Geek Fallout, and then the week after that. Uh, we'll delve into that uh, skipped it and why topic. And then uh, getting back into October, probably, we'll we'll hit up the 80s movies part three, uh, which, is a per- which is a perfect time to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street because, uh, yeah, it's going to be the Halloween season. We love Freddy. <laughs> I do like Freddy, yeah. He's probably my favorite. I don't favorite. think anyone in this group likes Halloween. Nope. We're not spooky at all. See, I, 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 like honestly, Halloween is not my biggest, you oh, know, oh, holiday. Oh. But I, I do derive enjoyment in another way, um, because I love handing out candy to kids. Yep. Like I just, um, you know, the last I don't know five years or so like i haven't been able to do it because i've been working but so this year is my first time doing it uh in a while and um so if anyone's coming by 
you know, my neighborhood, you know, I got some really good stuff I'm giving out because I'm not only giving out like some candies. Um, Do you give but, out apples too? Are you one of those monsters? No, 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 no. I, I do that. I, 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 like, I, and I'm, I'm for that too. Like, that's cool. You, you really give out apples? I give out caramel apples. Oh, okay, that's yeah. different. Usually they're dyed awesome. black. You had me that just makes concerned. me love you even more. <laughs> um, but no, like, uh, for those who don't know, I collect uh, Hot Wheels, uh, in particular um, Mustangs and Batmobiles. Uh, so every once in a while, Hot Wheels will throw some new stuff out there and, and I'll go out and buy them. But then sometimes I forget what I've bought. So when I bring it back to put it into the container, I realize I already have it. So all the extras that I acquire throughout the year, I put into uh, this plastic jack-o'-lantern I bought at Walmart. And I hand those out to kids at uh, uh, Halloween. Uh, but cool, Yeah, but I try and be inclusive to the little girls too. So um, prior to Halloween, because I don't buy ponies or anything normal typically unless it's for my granddaughter or something um i i'll just go and buy a bunch of like ponies like my little ponies and stuff like that to hand out to the little girls that come nice so and then of course we hand out like chocolates and and, and stuff like that too but um you know like i and I, like i don't give them to all the kids like i kind of keep it I, I kind of gauged the kid um, because I know there's the one year, the first year I did this, actually, I was, I was, I was handing out the, the treats and this one little guy, like you could tell, like he didn't have a bunch, right? Like, you, you know, like he was out trick or treating and, and you could tell like his family, you know, might be having some hard times or whatever. And I just asked him, you know, do you, do you like hot wheels? And, and he kind of nodded and I gave him a hot wheel and, you should have, like, his face lit right up. Um, he was so happy. The mom, you know, said thank you. You know, that's so awesome. He's never got something like that trick-or-treating. And I'm like, well, come back, you know, like, next year. I'll, I'll, I'll have more. Uh, so, it, and, I mean, it, it was a totally selfish act because I felt so good seeing that, seeing that um, little guy light right up. Uh, so that's that's where I get my enjoyment out of Halloween. Because um, even like when I was younger and, and uh, you know, there'd be like the Halloween parties and and dressing up as, you know, and Halloween stuff. I never did that. I just, I, Halloween parties never, meh. I don't know. I wasn't allowed to because it was anti-Jesus. Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about Uncle Jesus? <laughs> we just we just we just like zombie jesus now so mm. that's uncle jesus yeah but no it was very much that halloween was bad and dungeons and dragons would take you to the devil so you know yeah oh right there with pokemon as my husband pointed out um when i was i think i've told the story too like uh one night on halloween I was out with my friends. I was too old to go trick-or-treating, right? And, I mean, we did try. You know, we did go to a few houses, and they were like, no, you're too old. Get out of here. Because this is, like, my grandparents' generation that was still around, so they weren't having it. 
Um, but I remember it was me and my buddy. We were walking past the Chinese food restaurant. And there was like a drive-by egging. So like these um, guys pulled up with their truck. Egg, you know, threw eggs at the windows. Like just above my head. Like I didn't know what was going on. And then they speed off. And then the owners come out. They see these eggs on their window. They see us standing there. They assume it's us. And then, like, yeah, they chased us away. And I had to, like, run for my life because I was like, this guy's going to kill me. Like, And I didn't even do anything. I was just walking past. Um, but, yeah, good times when you're when you're 16 years old, I guess. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did outrun him, you know. Back back in those days, I was able to run. Not so much anymore, but oh, you know, especially when my life is threatened, it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm I can run now. I'll die later of 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 my own heart attack. But um, anywho, on that happy note, I think we can call this an episode. Um, we've went around the table. Everyone knows where we're at. And, uh, yeah, and we, like I said, we will continue with uh, the Pop uh, Culture Pub with the 80s movies discussion, part three, probably early in October. Uh, so on behalf of all of us here at the Pop Culture Pub, I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us talk about these 80s movies. And we will see you again in about a week for an all-new episode of Geek Fallout Reloaded. So have a... Have a good week, and uh, if you're in the Edmonton area, maybe we'll see you at the Edmonton Expo. So uh, we'll see you in the not-too-distant future. Pretty good.
guess I ain't afraid of no ghosts